The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1973, Part 8. John has made some outstanding contributions, not only to music, but also to better understanding. His songs, as plastic ono, such as Cold Turkey, Give Peace a Chance, and Imagine are classics. But it seems John needs some new inspiration, some new incentive. And John's latest effort, Mind Games, which is essentially an assertion that positive thoughts are the answer to happiness. He has gathered and recorded four minutes of cliches, and it even seems that he apologizes for it. I want you to make love, not war. I know you've heard it before. Yeah, we have, John. Along with chanting the mantra, peace on earth, love is the answer, faith in the future, putting their soul power to the karmic wheel. Having just released the LP Mind Games... Lennon began recording rock and roll songs with Phil Spector as producer. Here's John. Well, the rock and roll album, folks, started in 73 after I'd finished Mind Games, and I was really in the middle of that, oh, you know, what's going on, mother, life, help. And uh, I'd just done Mind Games, and I thought, you know, I've got to have some fun instead of all this writing, my feelings and my songs, you know. You know, being the writer and the artist, you know, I thought, what can I do to, you know, get, break, break that regime of, you know, writing the song John Lennon writes, new song, is it about him or is it about Paul or, you know, whatever. So I thought, I know, I'm always in between takes and with the Beatles to it. Always would break into Bebop or Lula or, we'd always jam those songs, you know, they're my favorite songs, a lot of them. And I never did them because I admired the original so much I wouldn't dare touch them. But by now people are touched, ruining everything. So I thought, why can't I do it? You know, you know they're all doing this. So what the hell?
Lennon's Oldies session started at A&M Studios on North La Brea Avenue in Hollywood, California. As Lennon was at large in L.A., Yoko had booked to appear at New York's Bitter End Club for three consecutive days. John, after the recording sessions, would be seen out socializing with Phil Spector, Lou Adler, and actor Jack Nicholson at the Whiskey A Go-Go. They became frequent staples at the club. On the same day that Lennon's album Mind Games is released, November 2nd, in America, the Ringo album is released. I'd been working in England with Harry Nielsen, who had Richard Perry as the producer, and we became friends, and we were out one night at a club, and he said, um, if you come to L.A., maybe we'll do some tracks together. So I said, OK, fine, and we parted. And it came up that Harry and I were invited to do the Grammy Awards, and it was in Nashville. I don't really want to fly all the way to Nashville just for the awards and then fly back. So I had this idea, I called Richard Perry and said, we're coming to Nashville. While we're there, why don't we do some treks? And he said, yeah, that's fine. You'd get that together. Then a couple of days later, I got a call from Richard saying, well, while you're in America, why don't we do the Grammys anyway? Then come down to L.A. and we'll do some treks. So I said, okay. This Richard Starkey LP was almost a Beatle reunion. It did have all four of them on the record. 
just by chance we get down there and I, I'm in a hotel and I find out that uh, John's in a hotel and really none of us really knew we were all heading for the same place so I you know I went over to see John said yeah what are you doing here? well I'm doing this and what are you doing I said I'm working with Richard Perry and we're doing this album have you got any songs and he said yeah I've got a piece of this song and I'll finish it for you and it was I'm the greatest he'd finished the song and I went back over to his place to listen to it and I said well why don't you come to the studio and uh, and play on it so he said okay well so George was in town too and I'd been talking to George because he was writing the song too so I said well why don't you come over I'm the greatest on the first track which is John George and I John's on piano George's on guitar and I was on drums yeah. which is really uh, weird when we did it because there were three of us sitting in the studio looking at each other smiling saying oh <laughs> and it was really silly because we kept looking at each other like big girls and smiling you know that could be said, but it's not television, so you can't see my face. Ringo's record, his first album, you know, I'm the greatest, was Ringo, Papa, John, Klaus, and I. So, apart from Paul, it was the closest we've ever been. We were just looking at each other and smiling because the three of us were together, yeah, you know, yeah. it was just a good experience. Back home in Liverpool My mama told me I was great Then when I was a teenager I knew that I had got something going All my friends told me I was great Took me by the hand And you know what she told me I was great
And the greatest we heard, you probably recognize that, Ringo on Apple, which is the song I wrote for him and uh, sang along with him. It should have been a single, I always said. They wouldn't even give me the B-side. Next time I'll get it. A little ego tripping from Ringo, courtesy of John Lennon, with I'm the Greatest. And maybe he was, considering that this was the tune it took to get George, John, and Ringo together in the same spot since goodness knows when. Along with the Fab Four, there were lots of other pop luminaries present on the different tracks. There was Billy Preston, Klaus Voorman, Mark Bolin. Some people like to rock.
had many hits. We didn't write that. No, no. Bird Baby did that. Give him a plug. Good old Bird Baby. Bird. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't me, Bert. He said that. I wouldn't say a thing like that about him. Photograph already topped the list. On Photograph, I had a little help from my friends. Let's see, there was George Harrison, Nicky Hopkins on piano, Klaus Vorman on bass, Richard Perry on the telephone, and guess who on drums? Thunder and Lightning, that's right. My friend Jim Keltner and myself. Steve Cropper, David Bromberg, Jim Keltner, Nicky Hopkins. He's a mean plunker on the piano. Martha Reeves, Mary Clayton, Bobby Keys, and on this number we have the band performing a song written by George Harrison with Ringo. Use if I could get away there. 
Then came Ringo's remake of a tune about a teen queen. Sixteen, you're 
16. Originally done by Johnny Burnett. You know that thing that sounds like a kazoo on your 16? Well, it's not a thing at all. It's Paul McCartney playing the mouth sex. That's what that is. Side 2 opens with a song titled Oh My My. It was co-written by Ringo Starr and Vincent Vinnie Poncia. Vinnie Poncia is a musician, songwriter, and record producer who, in the 1960s, formed a songwriting team with Peter Andrews. An album of their hits was produced by Richard Perry in 1969, and their hits were recorded by the Ronettes, Darlene Love, and Bobby Bloom. Here we've got Ringo Starr and Jim Keltner on drums, Billy Preston on piano and organ, Klaus Foreman on bass, Jimmy Calvert on guitar, Tom Scott on sax, Jim Horn on horns, and Martha Reeves, Mary Clayton, and Friends on backing vocals. Dog. 
I'm going to do something now which we've never done with anybody on this show before. Uh, back in, well, I'll tell you, back in uh, 1966, we recorded a little interview, you and I, and one of the things I asked you, in fact, was, outside of music, is there anything at all that you'd like to do? This is what you said then. I like playing and things like that, but I think I would turn into a blob if it was left to do nothing, you know. You would do? Yes, I could easily turn into a lump of nothing, yeah. just sitting on a chair. Well, Brian, it seems I've turned into a lump of nothing sitting on this chair. Well, I was going to say. <laughs> Next is a song called Step Lightly, written by Ringo Starr. The song features Steve Cropper on electric guitar, Klaus Foreman on bass, Nicky Hopkins on electric piano, clarinets arranged by Tom Scott, and featuring the dancing feet of Richard Starkey, MBE. Step lightly You're moving too fast Take your time, boy Soon the pain will pass In the meantime You gotta find yourself a love that's gonna last Things will work out fine, nice and easy. All it takes is time, please believe me. I wish this song was yours instead of mine. Find yourself a love that's gone to 
The next song was written by Paul and Linda McCartney and features Ringo on drums, Paul on piano and synthesizer, Klaus Vorman on bass, and Vinnie Poncia on guitar. Music's just kind of something. You sit down at an instrument and you plonk away and whatever happens to come out is what comes out, you know? Six o'clock in the morning You've just gone to sleep I wipe a tear from my eye It can't be the kind of company I keep That keeps me asking You keep me asking You keep me wondering why
benefited not only from Beatle Aid, but the help of many other talents. Notably, Harry Nilsson, Mark Bolin, Martha Reeves, Billy Preston, Nicky Hopkins. Was there ever any uh, suggestion that you might have uh, asked Eric to play with you? Um, no, because we did it in America. Um, we used everyone who was around in America at the time, and Eric's in England. Yeah, right. I mean, I'll always play with Eric, every asked. The list goes on and on, and so does the album, with one hit after another.
Ringo album. The Ringo album skyrocketed up the charts. It reached number seven in the UK, number two on the Billboard chart, and number one in Canada. With the success of new LPs from Paul, George, John, and Ringo, along with the two double compilation albums, 
questions come at fever pitch regarding a possible reunion of the Beatles, especially now a song with all three has been released. Here's John. If I'd have I'm the Greatest, I don't think it would have been successful as it was for Ringo. I'm the Greatest. Well, the line just came to me, and it's a line I couldn't sing. It was the Muhammad Ali line, but it's perfect for Ringo. Mm -hmm. He could say I'm the Greatest and people wouldn't get upset, but if I said I'm the Greatest, they'd all take it so seriously. It was a good record for Ringo, and maybe I'll cut it in, you know, one day I'll maybe do what somebody else did, just cut all the songs I've given away or something like that. Since the split, each one of the Beatles has gone his own way and has enjoyed a tremendous amount of popularity, but still the question, will they ever team up again? It's quite possible, yes. I don't know why the hell we'd do it, but it's possible. Would you like that to happen? If it happens, I'll enjoy it. Would you want to initiate that happening? Uh, well, I couldn't say. If you could, I mean, is it something you would like to well, see yourself doing? If I could. I don't know, Ellie, because you know me. I go on instinct, and if the idea hit me tomorrow, you know, I might call them and say, come on, let's do something. And so I couldn't really tell you. If it happens, it'll happen, you know. Now that we've left Klein... But the chances so, of your, your ever performing as a group again are, are in no way enhanced by the present situation, are they? Well, with or without the present situation, the chances are practically nil, although I hate to say definitely anything, because every time I make a definite statement, I change my mind. But I don't have any feeling about it, and I don't think any of the others really do. Paul McCartney. Now he's gone out, the main obstacle to uh, people working together has been removed, you know, I mean... It, means now that, uh, say, you know, if we fancy working with each other and stuff. But it doesn't mean necessarily the Beatles are going to reform, you know. It might mean that I'll play a concert with John in New York somewhere, George might roll in, Ringo might roll in, and you find that the Beatles are on stage kind of thing. Mm. But at the moment, there's no great plans to get back together. You know, it's, uh, I know as much as you, really. But I say, you know, there's no kind of anger in there anymore, so that's a nice thing. Over to you, John. No, no, my memories are now all fond and the wounds are healed and if we do it, we do it. If we record, we record. I don't know. It, as long as we make music, you know. And there's no hard feelings to any member of the group or anything? No, like nobody in particular. <laughs> no. Nobody. Throughout the early part of November, Paul, along with engineer Jeff Emmerich, continue to produce the tracks for the upcoming Wings LP, Band on the Run.
while, back in Los Angeles, John continued the Spectre Oldie sessions. Here we go. What, what? We're doing one. How's it go? Same way. How's it go? Wait a minute, someone's going in. Wait a minute. John had worked with Phil Spector on his previous albums, but on this project, Lennon just wanted to be Ronnie. I never got that close to him on the Imagine and the Plastic Owner things because he'd been very good and just come and gone away again, and I hadn't really got to know him. On the rock and roll, it took me three weeks to convince him that I wasn't going to co-produce with him, and I wasn't going to go in the control room. I was only, I said, I just want to be the singer. He goes, treat me like Ronnie. We'll take the material. I just want to sing. I don't want anything to do with production or writing or creation. I just want to sing. Yeah, yeah. Hey, your show. Let's go. I can't read this writing, you know. What is that tweeting bird out there? For God's sake. This bird's goddamn out there. Hey, hey, hey. Some birds over here. Yeah. Take it. Remember the solo. That's the bit where I don't talk. Oh, oh. Too bad. Thank you. Near well, stand up so we know you're there. All right. <laughs> no, hey, Barry, give me a clue, will you? Well, I told you, let Barry... Shut up, you clue. fucking... I'm sorry it didn't work out. Give me a clue. No, no, E, E, E. That's a clue. If you haven't been in tune all evening, why change? But after all... All right. One of the greatest sessions of all time, history's in the making. Jan Wenner is here with his brother Jan, and here we go. One, two, three. One, two, three, four. No, you yell four. Wait Phil, a minute. Phil, Phil. You can't yell four over his playing. Please accept my four. It's the only way I can come in. It's through four. Well, well, come on, you don't have to come in. He's do the intro. Da -da -dun 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 -dun. No wonder Ronnie. Okay. <laughs> What? Yeah, okay, I'll tell. I okay. won't bring up names, okay. Okay, no names. All right, it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter if it's too loud. <laughs> you shouted the birds and the horns in the background. <laughs> Fucking horns and birds and seagulls what? and shit. <laughs> These <laughs> whistles. <laughs> Fucking hey, you know, that sounds like a tape delay. Phil. Yeah, I hear it twice as long. Phil. It's our big chance at A&M, now let's not fuck it. One... Oh, Herbie did. One, two, three. This year is one of my all-time favorite songs.
These sessions continued for weeks in November of 1973. Lennon, ever missing Yoko, started drinking more heavily. Oldies session drummer Jim Keltner, who was fresh off the George and Ringo LP sessions, recalls the night that he and his wife were driving to the studio in separate cars. They pulled up together at a stop sign. And he rolled down the window and he shoved this thing through the window, this massive, this joke, it's normally a joke, you know, it's a gallon bottle of, uh, or two gallon, like a sparklets bottle of vodka. And it was half gone. And he handed it to me across the... To my car, you know, I saw I took it. I took two hands to do the whole thing. I took a big slug and uh, handed it back to him. And we went on to the session, and the entire recording session, I'd go over once in a while and see what he was doing, and he, he had his little area there where he was sitting, and his cigarettes and this huge sparkless bottle of vodka sitting right there next to him. And he was pouring. He'd pour himself out a little bit in a cup, and he'd drink. The whole night, he sang and drank, sang and drank. And I don't see how he could have even uh, sang a note.
Phil Spector had an open-door policy for musicians to come and play. There were so many that no one ever kept track of them, which is why the final LP didn't even list any musicians. But some of the musicians were Leon Russell, Steve Cropper, Jesse Ed Davis, Danny Kuch Kuchmar, Larry Carlton, Jeff Barry, Barry Mann, Mike Melvorn, Emil Richards, Hal Blaine, and Jim Keltner. Well, we need a beginning. Here we go. When in doubt, fuck it. No. No. Keltner, control your prick. Okay, okay. Ready? Okay. Dynamics with tension, fun and laughter for all. Honky rock. I won't. Two. A one, two, three, four. If you knew Pegasus, then you know why I'd feel blue without Peggy. My Pegasus. Oh, well, I love you, girl. Yes, I love you, Pegasus. Pegasus. Adding to the chemically induced craziness was a never-ending parade of celebrity visitors by way of Spectre's open-door policy. Here's Elliot Mintz. Among them, Joni Mitchell, Carol King, Cher, Stevie Wonder, Elton John. I met John when he was out here doing the, the Spectre album, which was terrifying enough meeting John, let alone Spectre. And Phil had like an open-door policy that uh, whoever wanted to come in uh, came in and uh, mm -hmm. were part of that.
While John is having a time in L.A., at EMI's Boulogne Billancourt Studios near Paris, Wings record a few Linda tracks and a promo jingle for the new Wings album, Band on the Run, for Radio Luxembourg.
the red stripes. Susie and the red stripes. They are in the line for this one. That was L Labinda McCabartney. Coming up in a moment, the studio setting is Lagos, Nigeria. The songs are sensational, and the critics are about to be swept off their feet as Paul, Linda, and Denny Lane take off with their big one. Next on Yesterday on Today. For more information or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. I'm Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad <laughs> from his better show than ours. <laughs> wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. <laughs> you can head to our social media pages. That's Facebook.com slash Yesterday and Today Podcast or Facebook.com slash Third Men. Or you could head to society 6 dot com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society the number six dot com slash K A M I N S K I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello, the lights just went out. <laughs> Guys, we need your help. <laughs> Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see oh, me. For God's sake.